0: Hi, I'm Christopher Rice, and I'm Eric Shawn Quinn, and you're listening to TDPS presents Christopher and Eric. We did the opening right. I don't know if I've gotten it right once since we've done it. I think that's the first time.
1: It's very—it's like jazz improv.
0: Well, also, you sort of scripted the opening, so I think there's a little bit of childish resistance on my part. Like, I think this week I'm going to sing it. And I never do. I just sort of mess it up. The
1: Christopher and Eric, the musical. The
0: musical. I'm sure we did that at some point. On the dinner party show. You know,
1: there's always a song cue just around every corner. You're like a walking song cue. Every other thing <laughs>
0: you say could be a song cue, but it usually ends in a clatter of dishes and a waiter being thrown out of the restaurant. Singing
1: a song about So <laughs>
0: You just make up song cues as you that's go through correct. life. It makes life more interesting, doesn't it?
1: That's, you know, like that's always my objective.
0: Okay, so... I'm I do this cautiously, but I, I, want, I really think we should do this. Our first episode, where we didn't do True Crime TV Club, which we are doing again this week, so don't get disappointed because we're not talking about murder right now. Um, we talked a lot about dieting and health uh, and longevity and aging.
1: Which but, just scratches the surface about how much in real life we actually spend I mean, time on talking about dieting and longevity.
0: I'm saying maybe 60 to 70 percent of every phone call is is some has something to do with diet. But also has to do with talking ourselves back off the ledge because of unrealistic expectations about dieting that have cropped up since our last phone call. You speak for yourself. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, you are on a new diet though. Yes, I'm always on a new diet. But this is a new diet that requires you to eat almost constantly.
1: Oh my God. Well, you eat at very specific times, but you eat an enormous amount. It is really like if you're looking for a diet where you can eat, Really, really a lot of food. This is the diet for you. Okay. What it's called the fast metabolism now, diet? That's actually an earlier diet from the same diet guru. This is called the the The, the, the Madonna diet. No, this is called the metabolism restoration diet or okay. something like that. It's 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 the same Principle. Uh, it's, our, it's our most recent. And you're supposed to be able to lose uh like fourteen pounds in 14 days. And so But you have to eat really a lot. of Like, for breakfast this morning, I had two eggs, a cup of fruit, and four cups of vegetables. Four which vegetables? And The ones that couldn't get away. And a half a cup of sweet potatoes. Oh, my God. Okay. That was just for breakfast. And then there's a snack in two hours, which is fruit. And then there's a lunch, which is similar. And then there's another snack. And then there's a dinner, which is similar. A
0: lot of fruit. A lot.
1: Well... On the first three days of the week, on the second four days of the week, no more fruit.
0: Okay, and what? Still protein
1: and vegetables, but you get to substitute in healthy fat. You don't get any more complex carbs, and you don't get any more fruit. But there's still vegetables, not as many. You came into and the studio
0: today with a Ziploc bag full of strawberries and blueberries, and you had to eat them rapidly before we started recording because it was you were going to be outside your window. My food window. Your food window. Yeah, you have to yeah. eat
1: on hours that are specific to whatever. On That said, I've been doing it for two days, and I'm down four pounds.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. Okay. So,
1: you know. So far, fingers crossed. All right. Well,
0: everyone, everyone at TDPS wishes you the best of luck with your 14-day <laughs> metabolism acceleration diet, to,
1: and I'm timing it out so that it'll be done by Thanksgiving. Perfect. So that I can gain all of the weight back in, in one day, 48
0: hours. Right, absolutely, really, oh, that's, that's the plan. Absolutely, no, that's not I, the plan. I have been trying to eat a what they call a ketogenic diet, which is keto. Which everybody says the same thing if they're over a certain age. Oh. Atkins, and I'm like, yeah, I, I guess it was no. invented by Atkins. No, okay. Well, our friend Marcia Clark, who we had dinner with the other night, is wrong because she well, said it was Atkins. It so. isn't
1: really. It's not like it's like Atkins is really just it's a, Atkins is reduced carbs, and the ketogenic diet seems to be like almost no carbs.
0: Yeah, it's really it's about. I'm not really eating any carbs at all, and there's a sort of they have something associated with it called the carb flu, which is when you're in carb withdrawal, and it is, which characterized, is another disease that
1: Christopher gets to have I, whenever he needs to.
0: I love me a disease. That's it's right, particularly this is a, a man psycho in search of an illness, somatic one. I is my leg acting up? What could it be? Probably Storms a stroke.
1: A Storms are coming, but we live in Los Angeles, so that's never
0: it. Well, the whole point of the carb flu is that it's not. Not actually the flu. No. It's just your your body is in withdrawal from sugar. I, I did
1: Protein Power, which is not keto, but it is in that it's it is a reduced carb, mostly protein-driven uh, diet. And letting go of carbs initially was one of the hardest things because you just get in the habit of it. But the thing that I think, and I think you're discovering, the thing that I thought was so interesting was when I did eat carbs, it made me feel really bad and it occurred to me, this is how I always felt when I ate carbs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, this is how I always felt after a big plate of lasagna. Yeah. Like, and... Sometimes that's worth it if it's really good lasagna. If it's your mother's homemade with three cheese and the. But yeah, spicy you're duck. you're
0: the one that taught me that. Which is, if you are going to cheat, don't cheat for something yeah. shitty. Cheat for the best. Right. Don't cheat for dime store donuts. Right. Cheat for
1: Krispy Kreme. That, they have to be the best donuts, or it's not worth it. Thank you, you for coming to my TED talk because you're still going to feel terrible. So you might as well feel terrible for a good reason. It's, Absolutely.
0: You know, yeah. All right, that's that's it. That's, that's it. it. I,
1: I, no, I'm going to close this out
0: before we start talking about he's our true crime Hansen, TV he's club. He's doing the close. I'm down doing close out. If you were at
1: home, you hold up both hands like you're doing two hand puppets, like uh, happy, rah, rah, the happy rah, rah, rah. talk hand puppets, and then they slowly, the fingers come together with the thumb I'm, and close. I'm
0: sitting in it. This is also important since we've since you've broached the subject of my posture. I listened to the episode we were we were about to post before we recorded this one yes. and decided that I sounded like Bucky Beaver.
1: Who is that a person? I think or it's an old cartoon
0: character. Somebody insulted me once by saying I sounded like Bucky Beaver years ago. It sounds original. In my community theater but maybe days. Maybe it's a thing. Anyway, um and so I decided I was sitting wrong in a way that was compressing my breath. And so I'm I'm leaning back Maybe in the chair. Maybe it was the carb flu. And I think it's the carb flu. I think the carb <laughs> flu is slowing me down today. So I probably sound more mature and adult and, and deep-throated. Anyway.
1: Um, don't do a funny voice. People are going to tune in and go, who's that with Eric? <laughs> they're
0: already saying that. They're, they're like, why is Eric doing the show with his nephew? Because they haven't seen my recent Instagram post. And they don't know I'm 41. With my nephew. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) my really
1: really old nephew
0: my old nephew by eric my nephew is
1: 16 thank you
0: (laughs) sorry see why i wanted to close out this topic see why i did close out hands <laughs> um, but I was gonna. This is the thought I wanted to end with, and we could do a whole show about this, but we can't today because we're doing another installment of True Crime oh, TV well, Club. That's a shame. If you think politics social media is bad, check out nutrition social media. Check out the war between the carnivores and the vegans on Instagram. I'm posts. just. Gonna it is at, really. I'm only
1: interested in what the party people have to say. I really am too. The hell with the rest of social absolutely. Media. Also, the the Vampire Chronicles people. Those yes, are, I'm absolutely. In that. We love. Those people. And of course, my fans that, you know, don't give a shit about anything else I do. <laughs> <laughs> if
0: you hear that, if you are a fan of Eric's, it's probably time to buy his books if you haven't yet. Yeah, really?
1: God, what do you think I'm living on out what here? What do you
0: think you're living on? TDP, give me a break. The massive profits of buy the TDP. Buy Buy a network. lot of them. They're buy great them. for
1: Christmas gifts. Buy a case.
0: And Hanukkah gifts. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, all of them in Absolutely. one. Absolutely. I don't think they give gifts on Kwanzaa, so forget I said that, and I hope I didn't offend anyone who you celebrates Kwanzaa. You probably
1: did. Don't write in to us about We're really sorry.
0: We're really, really, really sorry. We have apologize. Okay, all that having been said, diet stuff out of the way, Eric's fruit Ziploc bags out of the way. Well,
1: it's actually still open with a fork sticking out of it.
0: It's time to talk about the ABC News special, The Last Days of Phil Hartman. But first, the usual disclaimer, which is if you'd like to stop the podcast and go watch the special before, you can. However, we're going to do our best to break it down for you and serve it up in enough scintillating detail. So it's your call. It's your call, but it is available on Hulu with a membership and at the ABC website, it is an ABC news special that looks remarkably like an episode of 2020. But is
1: not. And it actually came on when 2020 ordinarily comes on. So it was very, very close to being 2020, except not.
0: And it has the same, as I call it, 2020 porn style it is lighting. It's
1: exactly the same as 2020, except they don't call it
0: 2020. And it's the and same. And it's two hours long. Same general format, right? If I remember correctly, there is not a voiceover. There are uh, entertainment journalists being interviewed that basically give the narrative structure to the hour and a half. It's an hour and a half long, yeah. I think, or it's an hour and a half without commercials. Yes. Um, So, it is very similar to the 2020 setup and probably use many of the same producers. So, all that being said, let's discuss the last days of the And that was a lot. Yeah, I like to get all that stuff out of the way. Um, My first response, the special opens with... So we think the reason they did this special now is because some new home videos, family home videos. Somebody broke
1: into their storage unit and stole all their home videos or something. I, I don't know where they got it because one of the things that was striking about it was the absence of familial participation. Which became a
0: theme of the... Well, that's, that's very... Yes, exactly. But I thought you were going to point out that there was very little of his wife in the home videos that were released, that most of what we see in the beginning are home videos that he took on his boat visiting Catalina Island, which, if you don't know, is right off the coast of Los Angeles. I say right off... With a little an asterisk next to it because it actually it's a long ass ferry ride you have to take to get out there. I've never been
1: incredibly close, dude. Okay, you
0: You can can see it, it you can see it, but you can see a lot anyway. Whatever, you can
1: see the sun from here, too. That's 93 million miles away, but I, I get that, so yeah, there's. (laughs) They're, they're, <laughs> I'm sorry. But
0: still. I just pictured your advice book. You can see the sun from here, but it's 93 miles away, million miles away, you stupid bitch. Advice from Eric Shaw <laughs> I
1: can see Russia from my house. Yes, absolutely.
0: So, the, um, Celebrity Catalina Island, what was the first thing you thought of when it opened there? Because I immediately thought of Natalie, Natalie Wood. Wood yeah. yeah. So I was like, Celebrities. Maybe stay away from Catalina Island. Then I realized that's an incredibly stupid thing to say because that's only two celebrities that have been associated with Catalina Island. And actually, Island.
1: his tragedy happened in Encino, which yeah. is really – that actually is a long way from, from Catalina. That's the other side of the Santa Monica Mountains. From I,
0: I thought you were going to try to make the case that Encino was further from West Hollywood than Catalina is. <laughs> I was saying, no, 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 that's it, not it true. It might be. No, it's not. It's not. But anyway um, – the uh, so that's how it opens. We're seeing these never before seen uh, home it videos. It might take taken longer to the get spoke. there
1: depending on what time of day it is. And if you have to take the 405.
0: Very true, very true. Anyway, so I ran over your point. I'm going to get back to it, which is the absence of familiar. I have a point. <laughs> you, occasionally, you do. I can't remember. You've eaten enough fruit out of that ziplock, but I think the blueberries are melting. Are they frozen? No. No, okay. Good, because the table will survive then. Anyway, the absence of familial participation, were you talking about Phil Hartman's family or um, There was no
1: sign of Phil Hartman's family and really only one person I think from her family, her brother.
0: Yes, and, and that the was the kids
1: didn't participate, but you can kind of understand how they wouldn't want to talk about mom killing dad, but like the the um but there was very little, but there was absolutely no they, They made a big point of saying he had a huge family and his brother was in Hollywood and was a big Hollywood manager and then we never saw any of them
0: we didn't and I there were some people who were interviewed along the way where I had my sort of skeptical sensors went up and I thought how close were you again there was a gentleman named wink Roberts who looks like a wink yeah he's a sort of wee fellow in a tropical Hawaiian shirt yeah. and very sort of cute and elf and then
1: there was this big Catalina buddy there, yeah. there were two friends the Catalina buddy they was, seemed that yeah. one really seemed valid but I think even the wink guy I think those were pretty close friends
0: then there was the very gossipy and chatty makeup artist from his Saturday Night Live days, who was sharing a lot of photos that you saw were his. They said copyright with the makeup artist's name. Right. And he had witnessed a lot of um, fights and altercations and between. And that? And then there was Julia Sweeney. Right. SNL's Julia Sweeney, who had apparently. Who looks
1: great. She looks really great. I really like her hair. She's let her hair, her hair's gone all white, and she's just gone with it. And it was really simple. She looked terrific. Bright eyed and youthful. Beautiful.
0: Yeah. Her eyes have always been beautiful, but they were particularly. But they really
1: stand out the way she's presenting herself now. I've never really noticed her eyes like that. Yeah, she looked great, and she was very sort of inside. And then his ex wife. Right.
0: And she was very eager to say, shitty things about Bryn. However, there's really no mystery around this. We all know that Bryn sh- got drunk and high and shot her husband while he was sleeping, it seems, or while he was in bed.
1: I mean, that's the big picture.
0: And then uh, committed suicide rather than engage with the cops who were trying to get her to come out of the bedroom. So, it's a pretty well-known story, so we're not spoiling anything for you by saying that at the top of the show.
1: Yeah. it's And the show isn't built around that. I mean, that's a given almost from the opening of the show, that, that's, that we all know that. We're sort of stuck Starting from that place, and and what they're really spending most of the episode doing is looking at his life prior and then days leading up to the actual tragedy itself. But the tragedy is sort of a given. It's not. There's no courtroom. There was no investigation. There was no. It was clear.
0: Yes, absolutely. So I want to ask you, Eric Shaw Quinn, as somebody who has been in entertainment, who has lived here. Um you moved here to Hollywood in 1993 in 1857 in 18, came, I came out there with were a Donner party. the Dire wolves were still in congregating that's along cr- the savannas absolutely. of Wilshire Boulevard river. the river yeah. river
1: was still actually a river
0: the tar pits you could still get a great condo for nothing <laughs> anyway so
1: or, or a deal on a woolly mammoth yeah so I just I think it's
0: interesting because I think we should talk some about what we not like we're these big deals but we are kind of big deals how we view this story of Hollywood through the lens of actually living here in Hollywood. So because there's no huge mystery here, as we've been saying, much of the special is devoted to the sort of rise of Phil Hartman.
1: Absolutely. It's yeah. it's the days, it's his life leading up to, um, and then the days immediately prior to to, um, I, I'm I'm thinking about. I guess I got here in the early '90s, and this happened in '98, isn't that right?
0: Either '97 or '98. Yeah, it
1: happened towards the end of the '90s. So, I I have to say that in that moment, I wasn't. It was like a thing that I heard about, but it wasn't as big an event. The way the world communicates has changed so dramatically in mm-hmm. the last ten years that it's that it's kind of hard to relate one time to another. Like when I was watching the. Um, the, uh, was it as if, as is, as if? <laughs> it was the um the 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 Larry Kramer movie that they made? It was about AIDS. Um, oh, oh, the Normal Heart. The, was that the name? Yeah, yeah, the Normal he, Heart. He wrote yes. two, and I always get the two of them confused. Right. Anyway, the the reminder that at that point in time there was three television networks and a phone line, mm-hmm. and we weren't that far from that at the time of this right it was there was not the kind of hyper communication and hyper coverage of everything that there is now so it happened and it was terrible but there was no real sense of it so there was some even for me living here living as you pointed out not very far from where this happened and he was a big star at the time that Mm -hmm. it happened and like i heard about it and it was terrible and you know, there was a minute on Entertainment Tonight if I saw that, and then maybe a couple of minutes on the news. But because there was no investigation and there was no uncertainty as to what happened, exactly. it went away very quickly.
0: There was no trial. That was the thing. I mean, this was happening after the O.J. Simpson murder trial, but there was no trial. The person who everybody believed irrefutably was responsible for the murder took her own life minutes after the murder in the bedroom. So yeah, it was this the, horrible the tragedy, but not The only thing I remember
1: anybody talking about at the time was that— She had been in and out of rehab.
0: Yes. Absolutely, and that she was probably intoxicated. I remember hearing that pretty quickly. I remember it being the first time, this is going to sound very superficial, but other than the movie Encino Man with Brendan Fraser, which I never saw, it was the first time I had ever really heard of Encino as a place. And it became this sort of, I always thought when I when I moved here, I moved here about two years after that, whenever I drove by Encino on the freeway, this was the first thing I thought of because the two things were sort of linked in my head.
1: It was kind of the, it was the kind of the Calabasas of that era. Yes, it was. It was far enough away that you could get a really enormous house for uh, still plenty of money, but not as much as you'd have to pay in Beverly Hills or on this side of the hill or even in the hills.
0: Right, and if you don't live here, as many of you don't because I've seen our stats, um... (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the, the L.A. is a basin that sort of contains the city of Los a- the downtown L.A., which is actually a, a ways inland. And then as you go towards the ocean, things get way more expensive. You go through Hollywood, which is sort of an, an urban area with a variety of demographics. Then you get to West Hollywood, which is getting a little fancy these days. Then you've got Beverly Hills, Brentwood, the home of O.J. Simpson, where his uh, low speed chase ended. And then you're out to the ocean. Well, there's a row of mountains that runs along all those communities, and on the north side of it is the San Fernando Valley, which is what Eric's talking about. And Encino is one of those communities in the San Fernando Valley. And yeah, you can your money goes further there, but I I don't know if that's true still. You
1: know, well, as you I'm, said, I mean I'm sure it is. It's not as, but you don't get the deal that you'd get in Calabasas. Right. Like the Kardashians are in Calabasas. Justin and the, Bieber Justin is in Calab- Bieber. Calab- like Calabasas. There are a lot of people out there. Calabieber is. A lot of people. Yeah. There are a lot of people out that way. It, it is a place where you can get an enormous estate for still plenty of money. They're not cheap, but it's not comparable to what you'd get for it on this side of the hill.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know aside from the real estate which I actually love and could talk about for the whole episode. I Absolutely. love it. I love we explaining do where a real things are. We should do a real estate podcast both of us. Yeah, totally love. We used to watch we don't that know of...
1: anything about the real estate market, but we love looking at pictures of houses on Zillow. Absolutely. That's what we would talk about.
0: The Zillow podcast. We mm-hmm. would pick the Zillow listing of the week. It's a $25 Absolutely. million dollar ranch in Whitefish, Montana, and Eric would talk about how we would never go cuz too much of it was outside. Um anyway, <laughs> Anyway. Not
1: outside. Eric
0: does not like being outside.
1: I'm not a fan. Uh,
0: There was watching the rise of Phil Hartman through the ranks of – like this is always the interesting thing. I was talking about this earlier. Because we live here and we're nowhere near as famous as Phil Hartman, but we know some people who are, (laughs) sometimes we (laughs) as as Hollywood people see a story – that maybe the filmmakers are not putting
1: on screen. I have to say I had the same feeling as I was watching this special. Yeah. Like there's like, where is the Phil Hartman story? Yeah. This was very, I, despite the absence of participation from his family, only her family participated and really only her brother. Mm -hmm. There were a couple of good friends of his, but there was a sense of like, I don't think we're getting the whole story about Phil Hartman. Like the only clue we had was when the ex-wife said that he had said to her a year or so into their marriage, you're like a black hole that can never be filled. Yes. Like, oh my god. I think there was a darker side of him. Mm-hmm. You pointed out that she's not in any of the home videos. You she's know what not. I mean? Like there was an there was a, I don't know There was something about him that seemed to be missing from this special. I felt like there was a component to who he was. It was clear she was a really jealous person. She married somebody famous, and she thought it was going to catapult her career into fame, and she couldn't make it happen, and Mm -hmm. it really pissed her off. That seemed really clear, and there were some substance abuse issues. Those things seemed really clear about her. With him, there was a... A coldness, a sort of cutoff to him that, mm-hmm. that they didn't—they alluded to a little bit, but I don't think they really leaned into it. And because nobody other than his closest buddies in all the world, who he did spend an enormous amount of time with right. and was apparently very close to, um, they didn't have the same kind of experience of him. But his marriages—this was his third marriage— and the first two had gone pretty much the same way. Like it seemed great at going into it, and then he just wasn't there.
0: They basically say what you often hear. I think of a lot of people is they say what they need to say to close the deal, and then once the deal's closed, they kind of check out of the marriage and they're not really present. It seemed like it. They the first his first ex wife is not interviewed. They show a picture of her looking very 1970s Los Angeles, long tumbly uh, hair and big sort of and tinted it was fun glasses. Fun to
1: see his life before being a big success. He just sort of happened into the groundlings and then Saturday night live but he was a very accomplished um a graphic artist he designed yeah. the cover for Poco um yeah. that I think it's Wild Horses album with that mm-hmm. beautiful it's a very simple I mean the uh, America which I'm I'm old enough to remember the, their album covers I probably still somewhere at my parents house have their old albums yeah I, album covers I recognized from um you know, from back in the and day. And he ended
0: up designing those album covers because his brother was running the record company. His brother was apparently his brother really who, a
1: big deal. Who is,
0: as you mentioned earlier, not interviewed in this not documentary.
1: Co- no member of his family participated At all.
0: However, his second ex-wife, Lisa Jarvis, who looked very familiar to me. I was like, is she an actress? Have I seen her in things? I think
1: so. She is
0: interviewed quite extensively. And I really feel like her interviews set the narrative for the piece. She's the one who lands pretty hard on this idea that Phil would just completely close himself off from people. That he would hide behind. That's such a cliche, though. The sad clown. They even have a clinical psychologist in there who wrote a book called The Tragic Clowns. But maybe there's some truth to it. But um, she is also the one that depicts Brynn as sort of rapaciously jealous Oh, and my ambitious. God, that letter. Yeah. And that was frightening. Now, now, help me out with this. I, was the letter—do they later reveal that Brynn writes a very threatening letter to Lisa Jarvis basically saying, I don't want you anywhere around our house or our family. In
1: response to a a note of congratulations about the child, right? And an offer to babysit, Yeah, I Or think. something, like I'm here for you if you need or something. It's yeah. a very sort of— friendly congratulations kind of note. And in response, she gets a, like a death threat. Yeah. Don't come anywhere near my family or I'll make you sorry. And it's a two-page letter. Wow. Like, it's really like, I was like, wow, that woman is fucked up. And apparently when Lisa (laughs) mentioned it to Phil, Phil said, you should have seen the letter she wanted to send. you."
0: Oh my God. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty compelling evidence. That's not just, she was
1: definitely, she was not an innocent in this situation, but it was a bad combination. He was not really present and she was incredibly like violently jealous and needy. I think jealousy is really sort of a hyper manifestation of needy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think what, it's a little it was a little glib for me but they they made a run at it in some of the interviews this idea that it was more of a suggestion that if bryn had had career success of her own maybe she wouldn't have been so he needy. would not
1: be dead today
0: do you think so I, absolutely I think I think, think somebody so. who was that aggressive and that needy would have it would have the darkness would have spread somewhere else. I think else. they would
1: have been divorced and she would have gone on and he, they, he would not be dead if she had had career success.
0: What the, thing, what the special does not point out, and maybe it's not there, is was there a specific inciting incident that tipped her over the edge? It just felt like she went out one night, she was drinking, she got too high, she went to a friend. One friend begged off, had dinner with her, didn't want to keep partying. She goes over to another friend's house who's nearby and... And I guess she just gets herself worked up and she's just fucked up and.
1: The thing that they brought up in the special, and I don't know enough, I don't know the science, so I can't really speculate, but it was the thing that the family was leaning into. And it was the thing they brought up in the special was she had gotten a prescription to Zoloft Zoloft. from one of the, from one of the children's pediatrician. So it wasn't even prescribed by like a practicing psychiatrist. It was just, here, take this. It'll make you feel better. That sort of thing. So it was the combination. She was already an addict. Mm -hmm. She'd been in and out of rehab a couple of times. She went out drinking. She apparently did some cocaine and she was on Zoloft at the time. And there was some allusion to in the special nothing conclusively and nothing medically and I think they even had something from the makers of Zoloft the, They who uh, said that we don't this is not a the brother
0: sued Zoloft uh, Bryn's brother Greg Omdahl su- right. sues the maker of Zoloft I and said. they settle with him for uh $100,000 which if you know anything about pharmaceutical companies that is their coffee budget for a day. I mean they yeah, just these companies make dan- so much Danish money. I explore some of that in my Burning Girl series plug because it involves a pharmaceutical company. Plug, so plug. that was basically um, books. Pfizer saying, Available yes, buy, dbbs. My dbbs. Pfizer says, buy my books. Um yeah. The dinner party the com.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. Okay. That's enough plugs. Um the the brother gets a hundred thousand dollars basically to shut the fuck up. Like that's really what they were saying to him. It's like, yeah, we don't we don't admit fault here or whatever, but we'll give you a check just to make you stop talking. Well, about to pay this. off
1: his lawyers
0: was yeah. probably all
1: it really amounted to. But yeah, there was there was some sense on the part of the family of trying to prove that. And I think it was just unprovable. I don't know that it's not true, but that seems to be sort of an X factor. Mm-hmm in this particular instance. I don't know. Like I said, I
0: would also point out, however, that not Zolo- a Zoloft has been on the market for a long time. And I don't think it's been connected to un- unchecked homicidal impulses across Although, the population. I
1: will say, isn't that one of the ones where they say one of the side effects is suicide. And I think, wow, that's a really heavy side effect.
0: I've heard that about a lot of antidepressants yeah. that they can give you the courage. I put in air quotes to kill yourself. That I it's just, that's risk.
1: like, that seems more than a side effect. To yeah. Me, but, Okay, it's kind of final for side effect, but whatever it could have been a contributing factor. I don't know. I honestly think that it was had more to do with her personality, because one of the other things they said was that she was physically abusive to him prior to um, the the incident, that she would get angry. He even said she would get angry. And he was the, the size difference was enough that he wasn't like. You know, getting showing up with black eyes or anything, but he said he would have to hold her hands because she would start wailing on
0: him. He was a very successful cast member of Saturday Night Live for years, I think, from the late 80s until 1994. And then after that, his career went a little quiet for a while. And then he joined a sitcom called News Radio. And one of the stories that you're referencing, I think, is told by Vicki Lewis, who was the elite actress on that sitcom, who said that he would occasionally come into work pale worn down and with scratches on his face that looked like they came from a woman's fingernails. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and he can, you know, there was general agreement that she did occasionally. So she had the tendency to be violent towards him as a way of expressing her anger. And it probably, like, was due to his lack of communication. Mm -hmm. You know, that sense of, you can't get so, you can't get anything out of anybody and you want a reaction from them mm-hmm. cuz she was upset she wanted a career that she was not getting and she turned 40 that's another thing they drew a line under mm-hmm. she had just turned 40 and in hollywood you know i i don't say that it's fair or right or whatever but there is great truth to the fact i think i hope that it's changing here lately i'm seeing a lot of movement in the area but women over 40 have had a really hard time certainly in the 90s had a really hard time you know following their careers here
0: there's a description i think it's early on in the special when they're talking about bryn uh, first arriving in hollywood and trying to make a name for herself long before she meets and marries phil hartman where they say she was the biggest fish in a small pond, and then she came out to Los Angeles, and she was a very small fish in a very yeah. big pond.
1: which is a that lot of stories. That is such, out an, here. LA story. such an LA story. I don't remember if
0: you were the one who first said it to me or not, but I it, it somebody said it in this way, which is the most beautiful person. It was Eric Shaw He's raising his hand. The most beautiful person in every town in America. Came here. Came here to discover they were just another beautiful person in a town full the most of beautiful, beautiful people. Clerks
1: at CVS, that you ever did see. <laughs> Absolutely,
0: they all came here with a dream.
1: Everybody, want, you know, can't be a movie. The the two hundred people who are movie stars. So,
0: but that's a big shock for people when they are used to being yeah. treated in a deferential manner and being the cock of the walk in their in their city of origin and they get out here and suddenly they're just another retail clerk. It's a lot of them go crazy. You know, I'm not saying that's exactly what happened to her, but it's
1: it's Fortunately it's... not this crazy, unfortunately not that many. But yes. <laughs> yes, a lot of people it is it is it is, hard, it is hard on people. It is very hard on people. It's hard on anybody, you know, like but the margins for success here in that particular arena are narrow and the number of applicants are numerous.
0: So as you pointed out and they you said they draw a big line under this in the special
1: she turns 40. She turns 40, she's taken Zoloft, she's been in and out of rehab a couple of times and she's really really unhappy where with where her career is at that point. And
0: there's been a steady effort or at least they try to make the case that there was that Phil did try to get her a career that he tried to pitch or develop a comedy variety show that was going to focus on the two of them was going
1: to include her, and they would never work. It never came to fruition. Yeah. And then he got the offer to do news radio that didn't include her, and he took it,
0: yeah. and that's a tough one. Like that's a tough one. Like there's a lot of like knowing what it takes in entertainment and knowing what's asked of people and how opportunities come. It's really like, Should he have said no? I don't know. It's just hard. He
1: still had to support them. Yeah. He still had to, you know, they still had a big house in Encino and two kids. Gorgeous children. My God, those were beautiful children. I was sorry that we didn't get to see them as adults, only because they were such beautiful. Well, children. Well, and
0: I will say this: I thought we didn't get to see them as adults because they were living lives of secrecy. They're not. Bergen, I think, is how you say the daughter's name. Uh, has a big Instagram presence and is absolutely stunningly beautiful yeah, today. Beautiful it young woman. Wouldn't surprise me at all. And they don't live in seclusion, but they aren't necessarily courting they didn't their want cameras to talk about either. This. So they didn't want to talk about this. So and
1: they... I, that I can really see: mom killed dad. Yeah, I'm not. And really... we were
0: nine and three. Yeah. What insight do we have to? It was just really a trauma. Not gonna,
1: it was just this horrible event in our lives.
0: I mean, the two children, as they go into detail at the end of the special, were in the other room being tended to by in the, the, the police. When, as simultaneous to that, the police are trying to get Bryn to come out of the master bedroom where they know she shot Phil. She won't come out in order to, I believe, distract her, they break one of the windows and try to come in, and that is when she shoots herself, and the children are either still in the house or on the property, and they hear the gunshot. They're still there. So it's like, They've been there
1: for the whole thing.
0: Leave those kids alone. In fact,
1: there was even a moment where she kills Phil, and then she gets in her car and drives to her friend's house and says, I just killed Phil.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: He has the gun. She has the gun. Yeah. He takes it from her she he she, he goes back. The friend goes back to the house with her, which I was like, "Wow, this is who is this guy?" Because there was no introduction of him prior to this moment.
0: He does not get interviewed, but he was hanging out at her house earlier. So he's included in the events of the chronology of the evening, But you're right. There's no preface of what yeah. he is. It sounded like a drug buddy to me. As, as I one. have no
1: idea. Maybe yeah. it was her sponsor. I have no concept yeah. of who the guy was, but they go back over to the house and he's there, and he's the one who actually calls nine one one. And, and says there's and been says, a shooting there's been a shooting and and then it is dealing with the police when she goes in and locks herself in the master bedroom mm-hmm. so she's still alive at that point but there was during that time those children were alone in that house with their dead father oh god yeah with the door not locked like yeah. i like oh my god yeah absolutely it, yeah it is really it was really a nightmare i i really felt for those kids mhm
0: yeah i i think that there's a lot <sighs> Like you watch a story like this that's so tragic and sad and you think, is there just another, could she have been happy with her life? I mean, you look at that life, you look at the house, maybe he was cut off, maybe he was cold, but could a perspective shift have just transformed her experience? Like if
1: she could just, because she had a spectacular life and she just couldn't be happy with it because she kept judging it against she wasn't Jennifer Aniston. Yeah and that's and- what she wanted to be and that's what she felt entitled to be that and she and she blamed Phil for it which I, you know, I don't know to what extent he was culpable. I think that piece of the story is not really well told. Right, what's
0: missing are the promises that were possibly made. Like I think, and that can be important if the foundation of your marriage is we're going to be business partners or we're going to, we're going, I'm going to make a go of this with you, you, baby. Um, And then you gradually just get compensated with cars and nice houses and whatever. And there's this appetite in you for more. I, I I get, I get how that could be a complicating factor in the marriage. Not, not a justification. No murder. It's still
1: not okay to kill your husband over yeah. that or anybody, but yeah, I, you can see how that might fester into a really intense anger situation in the marriage. And they were trying, they were seeing counselors, they were trying to make the marriage work, but it was clearly on the rocks anyway. It was, I think if, if we have the dates right, it was like a 10-year marriage. In
0: 1987, they get married in New York City in a very small ceremony. They don't invite their family. Before. They'd both been married before. Yeah, I don't, was there any mention of her ex-husband? No. Okay. Um, they're married in a small ceremony, no family. It sounds like it's in New York because Phil is already working for Saturday Night I think Live that's at right. that point. I didn't know this. This is a sort of tidbit about Saturday Night Live that's included in the special. But apparently the 19, it was either the 1985 season or the 1986 season was so bad that they thought the show might actually be canceled and that Phil Hartman's hiring was the beginning of a new generation at Saturday Night Live. That was when David Spade came on board, Julia Sweeney, who we talked about earlier. Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. Mike who, Myers, it, it, was that we, crowd. In, the, the, the Saturday Night Live that I grew up with was, was really that generation. Adam Sandler was a little later yeah. on because once they established those stalwarts, they brought in some younger people and that was David Spade and Adam Sandler and Chris Farley. So he was part of this renaissance at Saturday Night Live and that was, in eighty six or eighty seven, which was right around the time he married Bryn. So their marriage lasted ten years, you know, which to me that seems like an age, you know, having never really been married. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But you know, it could have gone on a lot longer. It could have. Yeah. Save for the the incidents of that really tragic. Yeah, he was just he had been to sort of the premiere of a new movie that he'd never It got released after he was killed, Yeah, like just prior to that, like he was in Las Vegas or somewhere. I mean, he was really like, you know, things were happening. His career was going well. And it was a completely everyone, everyone they talked to was stunned. Yeah, Like people thought things were bad and people thought that maybe they'd get a divorce or people thought that, you know, it was not going to work out or they were having a really hard time. That people were aware of. But she killed him and killed herself. Nobody, nobody saw that coming at all at any level. It was completely. And she herself said repeatedly in that hour or two between the time she killed him and killed herself was that she had no explanation for why she did it. Mm, mm. I don't know why. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. They both had guns. They had them for self-protection because of stalkers and Mm -hmm. you know being followed by being famous but um they were in safes and whatever so it wasn't like there was a gun under her pillow she had to go and get it and make the conscious decision he was already probably asleep in bed and she shot him three times but it was but that decision
0: and we'll never know if she was in a blackout We'll or, never know because she's dead, right? Uh, so
1: Yeah, there's no further explanation. We know that she did have the presence of mind to call and drive over to... Her friend's Her house. friend,
0: was his name Ron, Ron or am I, I confusing think. him with Ron Goldman? No, because I think it was, was Ron. Same. Yeah, she'd been there earlier. He, she was the, His house was the second house she went to after her friend said, I don't want to drink. Oh, anymore. that's right. Yeah, yeah, she had already been there. She went
1: drinking at Boca de Pepo or whatever it is. Boca, <laughs> Boca de Pepo. So Boca de
0: Pepo. It's hard to say. It's true yeah, crime but TV you know the club. One. Yeah. She went drinking. She's with a TV writer, also not interviewed. Yeah. Al- although the Bryn interviews were kind of heavy they were heavy on Brynn interviews what we are talking about is they needed more Phil interviews but anyway so she and then she leaves her friend or she gets left at Boca de Beppo, and she drives to her friend Ron's house and wants to sort of keep partying and he's like I gotta entertain Brynn oh god um she leaves because he wants to go to bed. She drives home. That's when she shoots Phil in bed. She goes back to Ron's house. It's 3 in the morning right. at that point. Ron is getting out of bed and doesn't know what's going yeah, what on. The hell? And then he becomes involved, drives back right, to the house Right, that's right. I her. had forgotten yeah, that piece, but it. she
1: had gone after she was drinking with the friend at yeah. Boca de Peppo or whatever the name of that place is.
0: Boca de is. whatever. Yeah, if you correct our pronunciation Pepe party de Boco.
1: it's, you know, the one, it's that chain Italian place.
0: Yeah. It was apparently right down, not be, far from the house. Are they? even around anymore i don't know are you gonna get a strongly worded I'm letter i'm seeing
1: from... i'm seeing a nod from the booth so i yeah. think okay our sound recognizes... designer yeah I got Brandon
0: Griffith likes himself some book of De beppo or
1: whatever the hell the name of it is he's not he's not signing off on our pronunciation but he is saying they do still exist yeah so there's that
0: bdb we'll just call him no we can't because that's black Dagger have you, brother, Brandon right? have
1: you been to the the one in Encino
0: Brandon has just said, yes, his wife goes. He goes there with his wife every Christmas. Well, there you are. And raises a glass to toast the memory of Bryn Hartman.
1: Yes. <laughs> Merry That's Christmas, Daphne. Not
0: true. Um, there are, one of the things about living here is that there are murder tours that, that you can do of this city that oh, you can drive I around. I know like, this for, a, I used yeah. to live
1: in an apartment where somebody was murdered. Get out. And- like every Halloween, I'd be like sitting on the floor carving the pumpkin or whatever, and I'd look up and there would be people standing outside the window at the living room, and it would be like, <laughs> Oh, it's that time of year again. Hi, no, I'm not the guy. Yeah, yeah, this where is was the apartment. this apartment?
0: Which apartment was this?
1: It? Was um down on Sweetser, Switzer Avenue here the, in West Hollywood. Yeah, the old I don't know, some girl was murdered in that apartment. And wow, yeah, like it was um. Yeah, um... It was like, "Okay, this is my my brush with fame." Yeah, apparently Randolph Scott and Cary Grant used to have an apartment in the same oh. building, and I ended up living in Marlena Dietrich's old apartment because she also used to live in that building. Wow, that what was a my building. That was my really my Did nicest they... part. Dustin Hoffman also used to live there. Is or, the building still and standing? Nick Nolte, yeah. That's cool. It's a wonderful old
0: building. Is it landmarked? It should be landmarked if all those people live there. Well,
1: you know how this neighborhood is. There's like, if you if you go out on the street and throw a stone and hit an apartment building, Marilyn Monroe used to live there. (laughs) Yeah, tell your joke. Hepburn used to live. Tell your Marilyn Monroe joke. Oh my God! Right? Like, er, Marilyn Monroe actually died from exhaustion from moving from all of the places that she's (laughs) alleged to have lived in Los Angeles. That's my theory. My
0: building. Apparently, she lived in my building too. Yeah, Yeah. Marilyn Monroe lived in my building. So it's like she really couldn't settle down, that Marilyn Monroe. She really
1: could not make up her fucking mind. She
0: could not. Yeah, I understand. She's like the people that are on the real estate agent reality shows today who can't pick a house out of the seven that they've seen. (laughs) This one looks like a log cabin, but this one looks like it might have squirrels. Um, Anyway,
1: so- are they on the murder tour? Is their house on the murder no, tour? No, I was saying you could put Book of the
0: on the murder oh, tour. Oh,
1: I was going yeah. Because they I tore down OJ's house.
0: They did, which it, and but I know where it is. Like I don't I don't know. I'm not being <laughs> metaphysical. The
1: pieces?
0: No, I know where the lot is. Oh. I think the you know lot
1: landfill they put the old house in.
0: I think the lot has been turned into I think it's now more than one house or it's not actually even configured in the same way, but it, it was always surrounded by high hedges anyway, so it's like whatever. But I drove the route from the murder site to where his house should have been uh, with a friend who was semi-interested in what we were doing. It was not you. You would have been way more interested. The thing that looks very similar... To the way it used to is the murder site of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman. Yeah. That's that was actually
1: the like, condo development.
0: I it's been slightly shifted, but the back of the condo is the same and all of that is very that's really creepy. You know. Yeah. But the O. J. Simpson of course, house was torn
1: down. Um, Chateau de Marmont is just across the street here. Yeah. And um and uh, uh, Holloway is where um Salmenio was murdered. Yes. His apartment is still there. You can see the garage from the street. It's where... a
0: very murdery neighborhood that we live in, a very ver- murdery city.
1: Which is really, yeah, honestly, West Hollywood is so like murder free for the most part. It's such a, like, mostly it's car break-ins here we have a very low incidence of crime in this somebody
0: gets the wehoville newsletter too cuz i saw that headline something like 53 car burglaries this week where they i, yeah. I haven't
1: seen this week but yeah something that's crazy. that's really the big they they say all of our crime is imported yeah, that people come into the neighborhood to break into the cars and occasionally there's um, will be a mugging or a well
0: like a, and we're a party town right so we, we get yeah. weekenders coming in from all parts yeah, of Los no, Angeles to it's party very or,
1: transient sort of what yeah but in terms of the neighborhood yeah it's usually pretty peaceable so yeah those those kinds of events are actually more um, more rarefied than than you might think given the context of the rest of Los Angeles which probably has a death rate. Comparable to Beirut or yeah. war zones in yeah. Syria, it is. It is a violent city. Yeah, it's a big city. It's, it's enormous. A huge city. It's I enormous. Five thousand square miles. Was well,
0: something city. that you told me once was that in terms of local, and I'm using air quotes around local news markets. The Southern California – what you are, what you cover as a newscaster in Los Angeles is uh, second only to the country yeah. in you terms would have of audience.
1: To, you would have to become a national newscaster to reach a bigger audience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I've always thought that's part of the reason why murder cases, particularly celebrity murder cases here, become such big local news items because it is very hard to find what all of us have in common because it is such a sprawling, uh, demographically diverse – Area that the that stories of local interest and in they're not going to play, you know, like across the lines of various communities and neighborhoods. But a murder oh, everybody, and turns we are in.
1: such a provincial city. I've yep. always said that, um, the news in Los Angeles would not have covered the tragedy on 9 11 if the planes hadn't been bound for, <laughs> for here. Like, if you watch a newscast here, there'll be a bombing in Aleppo mm-hmm. and you see the local news and there's a local angle. There was somebody who was, there was a choir who once... Was in Aleppo at right. the time of the bombing, and we've got interviews with them, or yeah. like whatever. There's always an LA angle. I, I remember. And if there's not.
0: Eh. I lived here on 9/11, and I remember the day after. People just being like, "Well, we were next. We were ne- We were totally going to be next." And I'm like, "You know what? This really isn't a fucking competition. Like, I'm happy that we're left out of this one. You know, <laughs> like this is really fucking hard. My favorite.
1: When I first moved here, there was a day when um, it was Elizabeth Taylor's birthday. And they closed Disneyland for her and her guests to have a <laughs> private party at Disneyland. And all of the news, the whole news coverage was live from outside Disneyland where they were talking about Elizabeth Taylor's birthday party. And that was the, the big story on the news, the lead story. And they continued to, like, check in. And it was probably a helicopter seeing people staggering, drunk right. through <laughs> Frontier Town or whatever was going on at at uh, Disneyland, and then at the end, in the human interest minute, um, President George Bush, the first one, had mm-hmm. had came had, was in town, and you just saw his limousine drive <laughs> across camera, and they, they didn't say why he was in town. He or, wasn't going to the party. No, he was not apparently invited to the party. He had been in town that day for some reason that they didn't elaborate on, and you saw his limousine drive by. That's great. And that was it, and I thought... Wow, that's provincial.
0: That is pretty damn provincial. Okay,
1: we've really sort of kind of left the well, Hartmans in Encino, know, but I guess th- we what kind What else of was covered. there to say?
0: I sort of realized that most of, you know, we did two really heavy uh, true crime documentary films. So we started with, with Southwest of Salem, which was our first installment, which I believe is episode three. Then we did Bayou Blue, which was also really heavy. Mm-hmm. And that was episode four. And then we did... A 2020 episode and a dateline episode and this and they were a little bit lighter and a little bit trashier this was way more about hollywood and celebrity than it was about murder well this murder. was
1: very much about his life yeah. this was kind of some in- snapshot which i again think they went a little light on mm-hmm. and as with the 2020 they it was most of the people being interviewed were newscasters from abc right talking about their opinions about it which they do instead of narration I noted. Yes. Like, it's kind of their style. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I need to be more forgiving about this. They're not interviewing this. They're just doing these, instead of doing Keith Morrison narrating it, they're doing these talking heads, still basically narrating the story, moving it along. So I guess that gives it something. And there was a lot of footage of him and his life and his family and whatever. So. Mm There was that in terms of interest. But in terms of real insights into the story, I guess it was more than I knew about it before.
0: I, I don't know if I have said this before on our podcast, but I, I heard this recently and I was listening to another true crime podcast. And it was the father of a murder victim being interviewed by the podcaster talking about what the experience was like to have. Uh, it was either 48 hours or it was Dateline. Do a story on his son's murder. And he said, you want to believe before they come that they're going to show up with their own crack team of investigators and they're going to find something that's been missed. And that's not really what those shows do. Those shows survey the landscape of what is already known and make certain fine-tuned editorial decisions about what they're going to include and maybe where they're going to put the focus. But they almost never turn up something that's not been turned up previously. They're there to capture the story, not create the story. Although we did talk about that one episode of Dateline where Dateline became part of the story. Yeah, that was the thing about Pam. Yeah, but that was different. They were sort you know. So I think that's an interesting thing. And I think it also goes to your point that some of these more networked news specials don't give a tremendous amount of insight. There is maybe something to be said for letting us make up our minds about the story, but I'm with you. I like more of a point of view.
1: Well, so we've covered Phil.
0: Yeah, we've covered Phil, and
1: next time is oh. going to be our holiday episode. It
0: is going to be our holiday episode, so we have decided to pick something that is holiday themed, but is uh, we've never done this before. This is a special from Discovery ID. Now, this is widely available on the internet. ID has a as an app which you can watch with commercials. I think you need to use your cable login for whatever your cable service is on their website. If you are an Amazon Fire user and possibly an Apple TV user, I'm not sure, there is a channel called True Crime Files, which is also Discovery ID. The name of this particular program is Red Rum, which, if you've never seen The Shining, is Murder Backwards. The episode, it is in the second season of Red Rum, and the episode is entitled An Imperfect Family. And apparently, the gimmick of Red Rum is that they analyze the murder backwards. So, like, they look at the murder and then they count down backwards from the crime and that's, you know, murder, Red well, Room is murder backwards. That sounds really festive. It sounds very festive. It and takes it is place a, at Christmas. At Christmas time. Yes. And because this will be our... our the episode that we are going to uh, bring you on December 15th will be our last episode before the holidays. We're going to take a short break, so we thought we'd go out with a Christmas bang.
1: Right? <laughs> we wanted to we wanted to salute to the holidays, but we wanted to be true to our calling. Absolutely. All right. Um, so next time is... Red
0: Rum, season two, episode title, An Imperfect Family. Also, let me just throw in, if you are an international listener and you have leads and tips on where international... Other international listeners can easily find these um, episodes way in on our Facebook page. The Facebook page is the one for The Dinner Party Show, facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. That's where we communicate with you about this podcast and anything else we're going to do. And I know our, our our sophisticated non-U.S. listeners would appreciate all the Yeah,
1: absolutely. And we would, too, so that we can help promote it and so or make sure that we're being represented there.
0: Absolutely. I'm going to fuck up The Closer. I can already feel it. Oh, no. no. I'm going to fuck it up. I got the opener semi-right. But anyway, so I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher
1: and Eric. Thanks. I got it right.